This episode of the Blockhouse Podcast is sponsored by my friend Tiger at ITZTiger.music on Instagram. He does all the audio tracks for the Blockhouse Podcast. He's on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Go check him out. The podcast is also sponsored by Day and Night, the ultimate revolution in vaping batteries, the double-bladed lightsaber of vaping. Why enjoy one flavor when you can enjoy two flavors at the same time? Go check them out on Instagram at Day and Night Battery. But wait, the podcast is also sponsored by Bengali, the new hip clothing brand that is about to take Medellin by storm. Quality clothing for men that fits right and that is stylish at the same time. I love it. I got tons of it. And you'll see me wearing it on the podcast. Get yours now. Go to bengali.shop on Instagram. Lastly, be sure to sign up for the Blockchain Insider newsletter. For only $250 a month, you will get weekly updates on the crypto market, my top investment picks, and advanced analysis to help you make better informed investment decisions. You can't put a price on that. So go click on the link in the description and sign up today. Hello guys, what's up? It is Wednesday, June 9th, episode 139. Today I have Johannes Schweifer, CEO of CoreLedger. So essentially CoreLedger provides a decentralized modular operating system for token economies and their core product is called TEOS, T-E-O-S, which enables businesses to document, tokenize, and trade any kind of good or service online. Very helpful. So with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain and Core Ledger, their product Tios and Johannes Schweifer. Enjoy. Johannes, what's up? Welcome to the Blockhash podcast live. How are you doing today, my friend? Greetings. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it was already a, quite a busy day for me today. So now it's evening here where, where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm in, in Bar in Switzerland. So, in Switzerland? Yes. So are, 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 you, are you Swiss or German? No, I'm Austrian. <laughs> Austrian. Oh, okay. Way off. Okay. It's the Johannes Schweifer, like the accent that got me. But okay. Gotcha. Um, anyways, yeah, pleasure to have you on. Um, really appreciate you taking the time and everything. So before we, you know, jump in and talk about Core Ledger and, um, you know, a lot more detail and, you know, talk about crypto and stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, you know, your, your background. What's your backstory? How did you, you know, get into the space? How did you get into tech and, and blockchain and stuff like that? Uh, so the audience can get a little bit more familiar with you. Sure, it's actually a long story, but uh, I try to make it short. I mean, I'm a chemist. Um, most mm. people don't expect that. Um, they think I'm a chemist, a scientist, or something. Yes, a chemist. So I'm I'm familiar with disruptive changes in that sense. Um, the real meaning of disruptive. So <laughs> blew up my laboratory once, but it was an accident. <laughs> anyway, so um, after chemistry, I wanted to do something more. Uh, problem let's say um, I, personally i like to solve problems and uh, in chemistry of course it's very linear um what kind of problems you can solve so i wanted to do something more diverse in that sense and um i got into consulting and um, was hired by a german consulting company um i liked the traveling so sooner or later i ended up in switzerland and uh, the consulting jobs were in financial services at 
banking and so forth, implementing software systems. So I did a lot of development as well and um, project management. I could solve a lot of problems, so it made me happy, but accidentally more or less, I um, uh, came into touch with Bitcoin by talking about gold with a colleague. It was so funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we talked about real values and uh, Bitcoin was mentioned. And uh, I, was, I like science fiction and maybe the one or the other knows um, the novel series um, Shadowrun. And in Shadowrun, it's okay, now it's not the future anymore, so it's kind of past. Luckily, it didn't happen, so we would have dragons around and elves and other stuff and <laughs> yeah. cyber criminals. Okay, those we have. But um, people <laughs> with <laughs> with crats on crat sticks, so even offline in that sense. And I thought, heck, how, how shall that work? I mean, you can always make a copy of that kind of currency unit, especially when it's on a, on a memory stick or something. And then, and it was in 2011, I read the white paper of Satoshi and thought, and that's the solution. That's the solution to the problem, to prevent double spending, prevent copying such units. Yeah. And uh, well, it was apparent that that was a groundbreaking solution. Therefore, I bought some Bitcoin at the end of 2011. The price was modest, <laughs> so four euros. Um, I bought it on Mt. Cox, but lucky they got them off Mt. Cox early enough before the exchange collapsed. So that was um, the story how I entered the whole scene. In uh, 2013, I co-founded um, a company here in Switzerland, Bitcoin Swiss. Um, maybe the name is familiar to some people. Uh, it's the biggest cryptocurrency broker in Switzerland. And um, um, personally, I didn't really like uh, the trading business, especially when it came to speculation. Um, very much in the beginning, I felt a bit picky for this, for, for all those people who were just buying Bitcoin without knowing what it is. So I offered training classes and you wonder what, almost nobody attended them because of course, I'm an engineer, I like to be technical and nobody wanted to know what Bitcoin is about and this complicated stuff with mining and wallets and so forth. Now, I shortened down the explanation that I can explain it in a couple of minutes and even my dad could repeat it easily. Nonetheless, um, back then it was kind of a two hours uh, Bitcoin seminar and a number of attendants were five to ten, so really <laughs> not much of an interest. And we had thousands of customers, so yeah, <laughs> just to give you an, an example. So mm -hmm. because I wanted uh, to leave that area of uh, speculation and trading, um, um, I found a group of people, like-minded people um, who wanted to use blockchain as a technology like I wanted to do. And therefore we founded Qualature and Qualature is well, uh, creating or has created a platform for using blockchain technology. So that's Basically, my story, leaving out all the, mm -hmm. the details with how Bitcoin started all together in Switzerland and so forth, um, mistakes and banks. And, no. <laughs> it was a long and difficult story. Yeah. So, like going back a little bit, were you like doing courses and coaching and stuff like that? Uh, that you know was super technical that you had to scale back originally. Um, you mean at, at Bitcoin Swiss or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not really. I mean, um, I was not doing the trading, so I could focus on kind of um, helping people to get along with what they just purchased and doing the administrative mm -hmm. part in the, in the background. So um, scaling back was not a uh, not topic. I mean, I was still doing consulting um, in parallel to, to that undergoes job as a, as a co-founder. So um, I was 
pretty busy. I even slept in the office for almost a year. So <laughs> was also a year? classical uh, startup um, startup story. Yeah, yeah sure. For not it was not an entire year. It was I think 10, 10 months. And then did you sleep on the couch like Elon Musk? <laughs> I slept on the couches during the day. The couch was used just cool. visitors to sit on <laughs> in the evening. I pulled it mm -hmm. off. And, Extended it, put the blanket on it, and <laughs> had my six-hour nap. Right, but was there like a certain point in time or whatever that you, you know, you said, "Man, you know, you know, blockchain is really interesting to me. I want to do something in in this field." Like, was there like any single moment, or was it just you know being, um, you know, introduced into the industry slowly, or? Um. There was no no slow mode in that sense. Uh, we just had to cope with difficulties which came by being uh, an OTC trader. Um, my I mean, um, my heart always was always beating for blockchain from the first moment on when I read the white paper, simply because that was problem solving for something I thought was unsolvable. And therefore, it was. Yeah, um, it was important for me uh, to study all the possibilities, how to use it beyond speculation. And um, let's say Ethereum was um, the real key um, to do more with the technology. Before that, Bitcoin was the only um, application running on blockchain and uh, the grand grandfather of everything which runs right now. Well, that's not entirely true, but let's also leave out details of history. Um, and um, the trigger moment was when somebody asked us if it was possible to use um, Bitcoin for doing settlement um, in, in, in trading um, art and the amounts in question were in the millions and the problem there was um, the transfer of um, money through bank transfer and transfer of the piece of art was always asynchronous in that sense and there was a lack of trust don't ask me why there was a lack of trust in this very specific use case, but it was the case. So that was apparently not uh, on Christie's or somewhere. <laughs> so um, I thought hmm, maybe it was possible to just pack um, the amount um, to a certain Bitcoin price or a rather Bitcoin option at a certain point in time so that buyer and seller have the same exchange rate. You can't practically force the exchange rate to be constant. So if there are days in between, look at what just happened on the market. Um, somebody buying the bitcoins uh, for the agreed let's say amount of uh, 1 million and giving it to the to the um, seller of the piece of art and he's exchanging it back at 800,000 so somebody would have feel or would feel cheated if it goes up no problem but if it goes down that's difficult and i, I thought hmm, is there a way to use the blockchain for that with bitcoin there wasn't but uh, with ethereum there was and that's also one of the founding principles or founding ideas of core ledger gotcha gotcha yeah so let, let's talk about core ledger i'm curious to you know what you guys do exactly um you know what's your guys's mission what are you guys trying to solve or do or, or make better but what we do is we provide ready and affordable blockchain technology so that companies, businesses, individuals, whoever, can just use it right away without having to write a single line of code. And that's important because um, the problem at the moment is that a lot of businesses are looking into that technology because every time there is a new technology, I mean, you just have to analyze and, 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 and try it out um, to see if 
would if, if, if it could make you more more competitive or your competitors therefore you have mm -hmm. to analyze it but um the technology as such is a bit complex so it's not like um the the world wide web in the early beginnings so with the internet and websites it was kind of easy to just create something i mean the early websites look cheaty but uh, almost everyone could create a website it was not too difficult but um, creating a smart contract um, is a bit more difficult than that. And making sure it really works as intended, having the audits done and so forth is also costly. Therefore, it's not comparable to the internet. Therefore, it needs resources. And um, what we built um, just makes the whole technology um, usable in such a fashion like, uh, like Lego. Um, you can just take individual pieces and say, okay, all right, I need this feature and that and that, and this tool, you combine it and implement your business process. Just um, examples. Um, when when we started, we started already in 2016, so a bunch of us flocked together and uh, thought, hey, what can we do with, uh, with this technology? Uh, we thought, what are the key features of blockchain technology? I mean, what can you do with that thing altogether? And... Um, in essence, a blockchain is a distributed database and it's globally distributed. And the most important thing is you don't have to trust a single party. That's great. Otherwise, you could just use a database and that's much, much faster. Database and web services, that's a million times faster than, than blockchain. But um, if parties don't have to know each other and if they don't even have to trust each other and if you want to use the internet as a communication medium, then blockchain is perfect then it's all about data. So writing data and modifying this data. In the um, field of Bitcoin, data is just about account holdings. One, two, three, four, five Bitcoin. Well, that's <laughs> a lot nowadays. Um, we were used to handing out like mm -hmm. Bitcoins as a gift in that amount, like one. Do you need one or two? It's okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, Bitcoin is just the accounting which is written to blockchain. But uh, when it comes to tokens or when it comes to some logic when you have games or well something more complex then it is really writing data to a database and it's all it's all about data and modifying the data so what what we thought um, uh, would be the most important features of that technology is about documentation of course so putting data on chain about anything tokenizing that so giving quantity um, having some kind of control over these tokens, um, that is governance, and the fourth is trading. So mm -hmm. use cases when you want to tokenize or sell digital gold in a bunker, then first you, what you do is to you, you, you document it. You write down what is the property, what are the properties, so what is the quality of gold, maybe the gold bar numbers, uh, where are they stored, are they insured, and so forth. No? That's the documentation. Then you give it quantity. You have a unit of measure, like ounces, grams, kilograms, maybe not tons, <laughs> whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you have a million ounces in, in storage, so you create a million ounces of tokens and distribute them. If you're forced by law to have some form of uh, governance, like compliance, I personally, okay, I'm neutral towards it. It has some positive and negative aspects, but however, sometimes um, the issuer or the seller has to make sure um, that only a list of authorized um, or authenticated uh, buyers get access to that token. Therefore, um, such a governance module, which also runs on chain, would be a whitelist where all the addresses which are allowed to hold these tokens are just added. 
And uh, of course, you want to trade. So um, we implemented and even patented uh, secondary market functionality, which is about multi-party settlement. That's um, like a digital analogy to the Silk Road and um, can help solve a lot of problems in international trade. And these four features, documentation, tokenization, governance, and trading, um, these features we implemented. And um, this is the system which we sell as TEOS, Token Economy Operating System. And then, of course, nobody can work with just a command line and, and nice um, features in that sense. Therefore, what we built on top were uh, user interfaces, so real graphic tools which you can use in order to, well, uh, use all these these functions. Very cool. I, I know on the website I got a general definition of what Core Ledger is. It being like a decentralized operating system for tokens or for token economies. Is that a good way to sum it up? Practically, yes. But then comes the next question: Okay, what? How? How can one imagine how it looks like? I mean, um, the best uh, analogy would be an operating system for a normal computer, um, like Windows. Um, and the analogy really goes far. So basically, you have some some underlying piece of hardware. In our case, it's not hardware; it's a blockchain, and um, something needs to interact with that blockchain. So I have some some logic and, and other stuff, like all the controllers which you have on. Um, on your laptop, um, all the, the drivers for different hardware components. That's exactly what the TEOS is, the token economy operating system. And then um, in the early days of um, Microsoft Windows, actually there was no Windows, there was DOS, just command line stuff. That was boring. That would have been uh, TEOS without the user interfaces. And then like Windows on top, that's um, the user interface. So you can use them to just create the token or just document mm -hmm. stuff or um, to create the primary market for your tokens or to do nothing financial at all and just implement uh, a smart lock where you use the tokens to unlock. That could be multi-sign and so forth. So it's really highly flexible. And we just uh, brought the project life, which is purely about documentation. That is notarizer. It's just about putting information on blockchain and using the timestamp to, to prove when it was recorded. Example, um, you move into a new apartment and you make a picture of a scratch somewhere and it's it's recorded on the day when you move in, so it's clear enough from you. Otherwise, um, <laughs> okay, maybe it could be from you, but it's, it's hardly un um, very much unlikely. Right? And therefore, um, if you put that picture online, if you can prove with the, the fingerprint of that picture, the hash, that it is that picture, the scratch, and blockchain mm -hmm. records without any doubt and without any possibility to alter it later, the time stamp when it has been recorded, then you can prove, all right, it was already there when I moved in. But uh, it can be used for many different things, like signing documents online and so forth. Yeah, yeah, that actually leads into my other question a little bit. Um, your core product it called, uh, is it TEOS or TEOS or how do you guys say it? Tios, we say Tios. Tios, okay. So, is that pretty much what Tios is, and you know what it does? Uh, because I, I kind of got the definition from the website a little bit. I'm mm -hmm. doing a little more digging, um, and then based on what you're saying, it kind of sounds like that's you know what Tios does. Yeah, exactly. So it sums it up. So Tios is the operating system for these four features, which I mentioned before, mm -hmm. and it also comes with widely uh, reusable interfaces, so that people have don't have to interact with the code and the command line. They could, if they like, so there's an API, 
But um, when we say our mission is that people can use blockchain technology without having to write a single line of code, then of course we need this visualization on top of that so graphical layer. And that's uh, the white label tools. Yeah, can you give me an example, kind of like a real world use case of how like a business could use Teos uh, to benefit them and, you know, based on the ways you've been telling me, like, is it for, um, you know, trade of goods and services or documentation or like what what's a really good use case you think, you know, just stands out that helps a business that might want to use it? Um, tokenization of things is, of course, a kind of no-brainer uh, use case. So um, you could put something, some real asset, tangible asset in, 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 in a warehouse, store it, use it as an asset backing for a token, which you issue. And then the token grants ownership, um, fractional ownership, of course, of that asset. So we can use it as some form of money. Um, we have been writing many articles about how that can be used, for example, digital barter. Um, we can exchange goods for each other, and our technology allows us to do kind of sequences of trades. So, example, mm -hmm. um, you have somebody having tokens for just a bad example, but nonetheless for, for shoes, and um, somebody else uh, who wants to buy these shoes for gold. But the seller of the shoes doesn't offer it against gold, so he offers it against um, tokenized wood. But there is somebody saying, all right, um, I give you some tokenized wood in ex exchange for gold. In, 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 in real life, you would have to exchange your gold first into wood, so first step, and then do the second step, wood into shoes, and you're happy. Um, what we built is a way to do a trade seamless on-chain so that you can directly get from gold into shoes and you don't even see that there is something in between, as long as an offer has been there, of course. So it's a seamless um, connection between, between endpoints. So um, using that, you could convert any asset into any other asset which is offered on the market. You could do something like um, a location swap. So imagine you have um, a certain quality of copper on, on a ship uh, which travels to um, a harbor in Amsterdam. And there is the same quality of copper sitting in a warehouse somewhere in Austria. And um, the quality of both is the same. So it's really the same product in that sense, but the location is different. If that is tokenized, if there is somebody offering uh, the one or the other, then you could just exchange the token because the token is the claim to the real asset and thereby do a location swap, which is like well, <laughs> transporting things without actually transporting them. Um, of course, documenting um, facts without tokenizing anything at all is also an example I mentioned before. Then one of our partners, Ambitorio, they are um, tokenizing documents, that is cool. Um, because imagine you are the author of a 3D printing file. That's just a, just a file um, which enables somebody to print uh, a spare part for some, some rotocopter or something, a quadcopter, like a propeller they always break. And uh, in theory, you don't want um, people to, to print as many items or as, as many units of that same thing as they want. You want to limit it somehow because once the, the 3D matrix is out, um, people can just make as many copies as they like. So this is always the this um, uh, let's say difficulty between digital world where you can control something by code and the real world where there is almost no control. And Ambitorio uh, created a digital rights management system in such a way that 
um, you don't actually get the code. You don't actually get the file. So only the printer gets the file. You never see it um, unencrypted. But what you can have is a token which grants you one run, one, one print, so to speak. And um, you use the print, you, you, you use it up, you spend the token. So the author of that file tokenizes the file, or actually the access right to the file. It's encrypted end to end. And uh, only the printer um, through his crypto chip can download and decrypt it. And um, you need a token to instruct the printer to print something. Once spent, it's spent. That's also a cool application. Um, mm -hmm. 3D printing is, in my opinion, one of the next um, groundbreaking technologies, but especially because people don't like to share their 3D printing matrices. It's one of the, the obstacles. And their technology could help solve that problem. So thereby, tokenization can help solve a lot of different problems. And of course, in the international trade and uh, plenty of other things, uh, waste management, for example, like um, using tokens uh, as a reward, or as I mentioned before, um, totally non-financial, like using a token to instruct a lock to open, using the transfer event between two addresses to say, now somebody instructed through his cryptographic key to, to enable something, in this case, like a lock to open. <clears throat> that could be one party, two parties, 10, 20, and three of them need to sign, for example. So a lot of things can be built. Yeah, could a company that's, let's say, tokenizing an asset that they have under management or an asset their company owns, you know, trade that token to another company so that they're trading an asset to another company or uh, transferring or making a payment that way. I feel like it'd be really easy for companies to do business B2B if their assets were a bit more liquid, I guess. So I imagine that's maybe another way they could do it. Yeah, sure, of course. I mean, there, there's one thing um, <clears throat> about the technical part. So um, they can do it. Sometimes regulation is an obstacle. So sometimes they are not allowed to do it. What works, what, what always works is using um, accounting tokens, which can just be used internally and have a, a closed user group. So as long as um, such accounting tokens are not publicly tradable, um, there's no regulatory problem. But um, when I mentioned that, I also have to elaborate a little bit on that. Um, in the last years, we have witnessed a lot of um, stiff wind from, from regulation. I mean, one thing is that regulators are not yet ready to just give green light to certain business models on blockchain, simply because they lose control. And the other thing is that um, well, the, the fiat money world fears that um, they lose the grip on, on, on society. Um, you might have read uh, that um, El Salvador has uh, voted to make Bitcoin legal tender. So that is great news. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm, great news. I'm curious. I'm absolutely curious what happens next. So um, they are using the US dollar there as a currency and then comes the, the Bitcoin as a, as a competitor to that. So one thing is what is uh, technologically possible and the other thing what is legally allowed. And uh, our technology also allows to, to bridge those two things. Um, just citing the regulatory authority in Liechtenstein where Coalition is incorporated. Um, as long as we can make sure that all the tools are in place so that those token issuers who are obliged to do, to do compliance can do that so that they can't say, oh, sorry, 
technology doesn't allow that, so <laughs> you can't do it. So as long as they, they have all the tools available to do what they need to do, everything is basically fine for us as a software provider, because we are not the marketplace, we are not the a, a, um, trading desk or something, we are not an exchange, especially we are not an exchange. Um, and uh, this was always important for us. So, yeah, let me, let me ask you another question. Do you guys, have you had any issues getting through regulations in terms of, you know, creating this, um, you know, operating system almost for token economies? Um, like, is there anything that holds you back from doing that or that presents an issue or that you, or hurdles you have to go through? Um, depends. We always designed the system to be just um, uh, software as a service. So our right. customers have to make sure that they comply with the regulation and not not us. And um, our system runs in complete time, so we are not uh, obliged to do any um, regulatory or to get any regulatory approval elsewhere. But of course, it restricts us um, to do anything beyond just being a software provider. So of course, it would be more attractive to also provide an open market for everybody to join and um, just trade there. But we have to somehow close the system um, um, in a sense that only our customers and their authorized users can access uh, the features to tokenize and trade and, and so forth and so forth. Unless, of course, they just use the mm -hmm. command line there. It's open because it's an open protocol. It's it's a blockchain. <laughs> but right. it limits us in such, uh, in such ways. But on the other hand, we never wanted to become um, an exchange uh, or a trading place or whatever. Um, our partners and customers are doing that. So. Yeah. So let me ask you uh, another question as well. So outside of Core Ledger and and, and Tios, like what what's your opinion on the the market more generally right now? It's um, you know very very volatile, very up and down. People are unsure. You know if that's going to have a reverberating effect on the industry in any kind of way. Um, uh, I'm just curious if you have an opinion on that from your point of view, and um, you know. Or, or if you don't, if you just, I don't know, because it's, it's very complicated to look at right now, for sure. Mm, sure. I mean, <laughs> I always have an opinion. I'm not shy to communicate it. Essentially, do you remember my story from before, from the beginnings of Bitcoin Swiss, where I tried yes. to give um, lectures on Bitcoin? It's the very same. So a lot of people just buying, not having any, any knowledge about what they are buying and not even not being interested in knowing more about it. And just the amounts uh, are different now. The amounts are much higher. The actors are now different. So there are now also institutionals um, participating in it. And the whole sentiment has changed. So at the very beginning, people, I mean, not many people knew about Bitcoin. That has changed now. So you can ask your headdress and your headdress will most likely explain you better than I could <laughs> what Bitcoin is and how it works. So at least people are familiar with the, with the term. But it's still mostly about crypto. And um, also they have to distinguish uh, yeah, two things, two elemental things. Um, one is crypto, cryptocurrencies, crypto tokens, where there is no explicit issuer, where you have just a blockchain and the protocol on blockchain, which governs it. That's important because then there is no control. There's no, no real governance other than um, the miners. And that's a big debate whether or not um, these miners should um, waste a lot of uh, energy. I don't see it as waste, but nonetheless. Um, 
So these cryptocurrencies, they're making the biggest waves, Bitcoin uh, being the flagship crypto. Um, and this is also what, what is of concern for most regulators because there is no way to control it. And then there are the tokens. We had in 2017 and 18 a huge wave of tokens being created. That was the point which mm -hmm. disgusted me finally um, because most of these tokens have just been created to raise money and mostly not even with the intention to deliver any product. And if there was an intention, <laughs> well, the usual startup fate happens, right? If you have too much money at the beginning, then flatline. Um, so um, tokens are, on the other hand, um, much more controllable because they have an issue. So um, regulators can um, ass um, um, assert some control and, and pressure on, on somebody issuing tokens. Um, that is good and bad. Um, but tokens are at the moment just used for, for equity tokenization mostly. And there is a small but growing market for applications like the market which we are targeting, um, which are using tokens for something else to facilitate yeah, trade or to use it as for accounting or um, to ignore the token part altogether and just use the documentation on blockchain. So that's using technology for improving business processes. And um, well, the market situation at the moment is that everybody is absolutely focused on speculation. So market goes up, everybody cheers, market goes down, uh, even if it doesn't go down as much as it was before, before the last time, nonetheless, market goes down, tears everywhere, um, threats and whatever uh, are being um, flung around. Um, like now, I mean, the, the price of Bitcoin is at uh, 35,000 US dollars and the last um, um, top, the previous top was at 20,000, almost 20,000 in, in 2017. And before that, the last top was, I don't even remember, 5,000, I, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, it quite crashed again. Uh, I mean, I remember the whole story from uh, 2011 uh, and four, four euros was just a reference price. I remember when it dropped to three euros 20, I thought, oh, I lost 80 cents on one Bitcoin. What a loss. God. <laughs> I also remember um, an, uh, an old colleague of mine, um, we were working together on a project in a bank. And uh, I think uh, we were talking about also assets. So he, he didn't like gold. Of course, he didn't like Bitcoin. And uh, he told me he's investing in, in Zurich insurance because it has a yield of 7%. I said, good, <laughs> good for you. Then Bitcoin rose to, I think, 500. And uh, we were talking again. I said, I envy you a little bit. How much have you won? I, said, I don't disclose any numbers, but uh, let's say it's in the area of 10,000%. Uh, Stop talking. We never talked again. So I hope um, at 500 he bought something. So if, he, if he's listening, I hope you mm -hmm. bought. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's it's still the old sentiment. It's totally comparable. So I've, I've witnessed this before, and I think this will not be the last time. It's now just a little bit different because a different and um, more powerful actors are entering the scene. Um, um, the IRS has always been has always had a watchful eyes on. Uh, Bitcoin movement simply because well, they want to tax it, right? But now um, even governments are, are talking about it, not, not, not only talking about it, but uh, and the ones are trying to take advantage and the others are trying to kill it. <laughs> so it's not, the stakes are not higher. 
Yeah, I, th I think they're starting to realize there's more money and profitability in jumping on the bandwagon versus, you know, trying to pose something they really can't shut down and stop. Um, you know, and if there's a lot of demand for it and you're a smart you know, business person, you, you recognize that. And I, there's a lot of countries that are starting to recognize that, too, which is, you know, why, uh, you know, El Salvador is jumping on board, making it mm -hmm. legal tender. And um, there's a number of other countries like Paraguay, uh, Argentina, here in uh, South America, you know, looking at it from the same perspective. Um, and while not every major country will probably make Bitcoin legal tender, they will either tax it and just let it be legal or they will find a way to make money off of Bitcoin because of demand in the ecosystem. So, you know, I think it's a matter of time. I, I don't really see Bitcoin going away either. I don't see it having much more of a crash other than where it's at now. Um, it, there's just too much money in the system, too much people highly invested in it, too much infrastructure being built out. And, and that's just around Bitcoin. It's the rest of the space that's, you know, really, truly exciting what you can do with tokens and the other blockchains and, um, you know, Ethereum's competition and, you know, how NFTs and dApps are, you know, shaping and this, the whole DeFi space. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of exciting stuff. So for anyone that, you know, that's watching that's, you know, concerned about the market, you know, the reality is, you know, markets go through ups and downs. Um, and I think, Johannes, you probably agree with that. It's, um, you know, cyclical. So it's just being patient is the key thing. Of course, best you pick your bitcoins or your private keys in somewhere, and um, after a couple of years you retrieve them again. You shouldn't um, hide them as deeply uh, as uh, I mean uh, as deep so that you don't don't uh, find them anymore. So there are stories about people who just were let's say. Well, I tell a lot of people the best thing to do if they're really smart is just buy as much as they can and then just forget about it for a few years. And, you know, if you would have done that with Bitcoin years ago, you would have, you know, ended up a millionaire in a lot of cases. Um, <laughs> I know kids that have invested a few thousand dollars and turned into a millionaire investing in Bitcoin, just, you know, putting it away and forgetting about it. You know, it's probably mm -hmm. the best thing to do. Like, just take a little bit of cash, put it away and see what happens. I met a guy in New Zealand who were hiding his uh, private keys in, in trees. Don't ask me why <laughs> in trees, but why trees? Was, don't know. I mean, as long as he found them later on again. There are stories about unfortunate fellas who well, <laughs> were hiding them too carefully or too, with, with little care. So <laughs> um, mm -hmm. they couldn't retrieve them anymore. That's the story. I always forget that about the guy who was looking in, on... on, on uh, the dumping ground for his old um, hard disks but no luck so far he was even he was not granted permission to search i mean of course he did search <laughs> no luck so far or the, the pizza story and so forth two pizzas for ten thousand bitcoins and, and whatnot um you know, but that's crypto um that's not our business to be honest. i mean uh, it is possible to tokenize um, and in that sense wrap cryptos into tokens and use them on college um and even use them quite successfully for supply chain management, international trade and settlement and so forth. So mm -hmm. that work by using it as a pack, but um, our, our business is more the technology part. So therefore, I of course um, talk about the market and I like to talk about the market simply because it's, it's emotions going on <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because that is where the most focus is at the moment. <clears throat> but also this proves that blockchain is a valid technology, which is worth studying. This is the most important thing, actually. It's not something which um, 
came and will go away. People in power were speculating that it would go away, but no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's genie out of the bottle and it won't go back again. So, yeah, genie out of yeah. the bottle, cat out of the bag. You know, I think with blockchain, uh, it's established itself as a technology that, you know, has a lot of viability and just isn't going to go away. I think once any kind of technology does that, until it's replaced in some kind of way, um, you know, technology, it, it doesn't go away. It just keeps evolving, getting better. And that's what we've seen with blockchain. Um, you know, and there are some alternatives that, you know, potentially in the future, you know, it's possible there's something that's better than blockchain that's just as good. Um, and, you know, and then maybe that makes blockchain irrelevant. You know, it's entirely possible, but I highly doubt it given how effective blockchain is just in general. And then given the types of blockchain projects that are out there now that are really, really good at solving existing problems with blockchain. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, the space has definitely evolved into something that is uh, more than just a, a tiny movement, more than just uh, Bitcoin, more than just Ethereum. It's like an entire industry now, and it's, it's really cool. Um, and it's, it's been fun to watch it grow over the years. Mm -hmm. I can absolutely agree with that, yes. <laughs> but it's still in its infancy. That is important uh, to mm -hmm. just keep in mind. So most companies who are doing something with blockchain are pioneers. Bitcoin has already um, yeah, um, aged a little bit. So it's not, I mean, okay, the time when I entered it was 10 years ago. It's, that's a lot. It's almost a quarter of my life. <laughs> anyway, almost, almost 12 um, years ago. It's been around over a decade. Sure, but uh, the time when I entered was 2011. Now it's mm -hmm. 10 years. Gotcha. But um, Bitcoin's age here since 2008 when the paper was um, published. Heaven and hell. That's, <clears throat> yeah, but uh, anyway, I mean, it has matured in the meantime, so it can be considered um, that's more established than everything else. So not pioneering anymore, which is visible by the fact that countries are talking about it right? and uh, adopting it as a, as a as legal tender <clears throat> but everything else is still in the very beginning also switzerland did not want to issue a dedicated blockchain law in that sense or finally they did at the beginning of the uh, this year um there are um there's let's say they, they i mean lawmakers gave clarity on how to tokenize equity but it's also very much focusing just on tokenizing equity and not what else you can do with it. And uh, there are stories about companies who submit the, the project proposals to the regulatory authority and wait for years, many, many years, and sometimes they never get an answer. So that's um, one exchange waiting for a permit since six years now. <laughs> so mm -hmm. cool. um, yeah, so pioneering and not only the technical thing, but also the uncertainty towards what is allowed and what is not allowed um, regulatory-wise. Uh, that's also hindering the evolution somehow. But sooner or later, um, such business models will fly and they will prove themselves on the market. So if money can be made in a little way by using blockchain technology, if businesses can be improved, if existing business processes can be made faster, more or cheaper by just doing it peer-to-peer -peer instead of going through an intermediary or uh, more secure or this or that or can be made more available to a global audience instead just a local audience then that will happen 
I mean, it's like water. So water mm -hmm. always finds. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And it's very exciting being in this market. I, I really do enjoy it. Um, you know, before we uh, go ahead and start, you know, wrapping it up and everything, I want to ask what is, you know, the roadmap look like for Core Ledger the rest of this year? Like, what do you guys have planned out? Um, do you guys have anything in terms of key dates you want people to be aware of or key updates or new partnerships or anything you want to announce or what should people be aware of? So at the moment, we are improving our, our tools. So the tools which are available right now are kind of version um, 0. Point, uh, something. So <laughs> um, that is um, all the white label products. And uh, we always add features. So the next release, uh, which is to be expected, is um, Oscar. <clears throat> we give it alphabetical names. <laughs> so um, that comes out um, pretty soon, I think. Uh, in one month or something, and um, also the Teos API, so the endpoint against which um, other developers can just develop their own software, um, is going to be improved. So it's constant improvement uh, until the end of the year. Um, what we are going to add um, soon as a really new major feature is um, making NFTs available on, on our platform, and also creating them, of course, trading them. Um, simply because there are a lot of projects around where such tokens can be used, like fan tokens and so forth. Not the usual NFT um, hot air, which um, has been around in the last month, but something more tangible. Of course, <laughs> business processes involving NFTs. Um, yeah, so that's it. Um, we are onboarding new de software development partners. So Colleger is not doing any projects if um, tools need to be adapted, but um, we have software partners for that purpose so we sell only licenses or subscriptions to our products and the actual um, software development is some, if something is needed like adapting the wallet or adapting the um, <clears throat> the portal which can be used as a primary market or a web shop or so forth so there's always something which might needed to be tweaked then this is done by software developers so we are onboarding uh, a couple of them now um, most of them in eastern europe i'm um, very um, reliable partners and you know, so in, in that area so it's uh, yeah. development features and new releases uh, coming up with the mentioned functions and functionalities um, I don't go too much into details because otherwise it's just technically people fall asleep <laughs> right 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 yeah the details unfortunately in blockchain can definitely make people fall asleep a lot so it's it's difficult I always try and keep things as surface level as possible but um, you know, there's a lot of people that listen into the podcast too that are understanding some of this stuff from a very technical standpoint so it's okay to go both ways you know actually it happened that somebody fell asleep <laughs> so i gave a presentation <laughs> i was invited <clears throat> to give a presentation at the oh no uh, someone did fall asleep hmm? sorry someone did fall asleep someone did fall asleep yeah but to my defense and that was too technical of course but to my defense the lady was already quite old and she just she just did fall asleep and she didn't die. So, <laughs> at least oh my not goodness. <laughs> okay, well, we'll end it on the, the old lady falling asleep, I guess. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Awesome talk. Great getting to, to talk to Johannes um, and uh, getting to understand Core Ledger a little bit better and Tios, Tios uh, everything you guys are doing. Um, it's very, very cool in the space and um, 
always happy to have your thoughts on, you know, the market and everything. It's always a fun subject. So again, thanks for coming on, taking the time. Really appreciate it. And for doing it live. It was a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Brendan.